Please join me in prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you that we can come and spend this time together to uh, open up your word together, to talk, to dialogue, and to better know how we might serve you and serve others. Help us to do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am teaching Sunday school today. Uh, so, surprise. Uh, uh, Pastor Brian was going to be starting a series on Acts, and that's that's not going to happen at this point, obviously. But um, so it's interesting in God's timing. I, I've during Sunday school hour this year, I've been doing profession of faith classes. Uh, a number of our youth are talking about professing faith, and so I've been doing that, and it's been fun. And um, so I started this year uh, adding, I added a final class where we went through the membership vows one by one and just talked about what they mean, uh, not just what they mean, but what they mean for us. Um, and as I was going through it, I thought, I want to do this with the adult class as a little review. You know, what do, what do our membership vows mean? And so I thought it would be fun sometime to do for Sunday school. And then I thought, oh, I'm teaching, so I'm going to do this. Uh, so I thought it would be a good review. So here we are. And so you have in your handout, uh, you have your handout is basically uh, just a slightly modified version of what I, I go through with our youth in the profession of faith uh, class. And we're just going to go, there's five membership vows, we're going to go one by one, and um, we're going to talk through uh, what all of those mean. Uh, real quick though, I'm going to tell Hannah and Emily, thank you guys for pinch pinch hitting with uh, Lord's Supper prep, but the water is not on downstairs, so if you want to rinse anything, just know you're going to need to bring it upstairs, because we're having water issues. Thanks. Um, okay, so vow number one is this. I know you all remember this, probably you haven't memorized, but I'll just remind you what we asked you when you joined. Do you believe the Bible consisting of the Old and New Testaments to be the Word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation? Okay, so what's this getting at? Do you believe God's Word? Good. Both are, yes. Yes, do you understand that both testaments represent God's word to you? Good, good. What else? Anything else? Yeah, Mom? Huh? Infallibility. Good, yes. Um, absolutely, good. Anything else? And, yes. Yes. Yeah, do you believe the Bible and only the Bible as your guide for faith and practice, right? Um, it might not be sufficient to tell you how to sweat copper pipes, but it is sufficient to tell you what you are to believe about God and what duty God requires of you, right? Excellent, excellent. The only truth that leads to yes, this is the only place where we learn about salvation. Excellent, all of these things, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, when you, when you become a member... A communicant member, and you you take these vows. One of the things you're saying is that you believe the Bible is God's word, and that you believe all of it, <laughs> which is different than saying I believe the Bible contains God's word. Saying that I believe the Bible contains God's word, saying yeah, it's in there somewhere, but there's a lot we can just disregard and ignore, right? 
And usually, what's the test to, when people talk like that? What's the test to find out which is actually God's word and which isn't? Okay, whether you like it or not. That yes, absolutely. I agree with this. This is God's word, and yeah, I don't agree with this. It must be man's. Yeah, absolutely. Do we get to pick and choose what we believe in the Bible? <laughs> do we get to? Or, yes. No, we should not, should we? So what does this mean for you? What happens if you're believing something that's out of accord with God's word? What should you expect? Okay, God's word, but how? Okay. Good, all on your own? Good. Right. God's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us pastors and elders. And who else? Each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In other words, when your membership vow says, I believe the Bible is God's word, all of it, and that it is the only source of truth for, for my salvation and, and my calling as a Christian. Uh, and and you're living, when you're believing something that is out of accord with God's word, or practicing something that's out of accord with God's word, because of your vow to a congregation, what you're saying is, I expect somebody to come alongside and say, let's open up God's word together and, and, uh, and seek a better way. Um, can you say, it's none of your business? Why not? I see the, I see the Stodomans shaking their head no. Why not? Because when you join the congregation, you made it their business. That's right. Because when you join the congregation, you made it their business. Now, there's lots we could say here, right? Is there appropriate ways to do that and inappropriate ways? What, is, what does the Bible say? How do we approach somebody if we have a concern? In love, in gentleness, right? Uh, do we have to, uh, the, 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 per, the proverbial way is swing at every pitch. Do you have to address every little thing? No. But when you see something that's, that, that, that's meaningful, you can come alongside and say, hey, let's open up God's word together. Let's talk about this. And that might be something we believe and it might be something we're doing, right? And we'll get more into doing later. But... Um, because you're taking a vow to the church, you're inviting that church to keep you accountable, right? This is what we do at weddings. I'm sorry, Zoom, I'm walking all over the place and everybody at Zoom is probably going, where is he? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, in a wedding, when we take vows, what, what's one of the reasons we have guests when we have weddings? What? Yeah, I thought I thought John was going to say to get more presents, and it, but he didn't, and I appreciate that. It, it's witnesses to hold you accountable to those vows. And it's also a testimony to those who aren't believers that this is a sacred. Absolutely right. It's a testimony, and it's an invitation to be held accountable. I want you all to hear what I'm saying, and when I walk out of step out of accord with this, call me back into accord, right? And indeed, that's what we're doing when we make membership vows. We're saying, I believe God's word, 
is God's truth. The Bible is God's truth, and that it's my job to submit. And if you see me failing, come alongside. And and we do this. I love the way Priscilla and Aquila do this with Apollos. They they bring him into their home and say, let's let's open up God's word and let's show you a better way. There's not this antagonism, this uh, bludgeoning. There's just this loving, like, hey, right, good. So the first set of blanks there under vow number one on your, your sheet is membership vows are an invitation for others to hold you accountable to God's word. Membership vows are an invitation for others to hold you accountable to God's word. That's the first thing. Second vow. It is. Uh, and, and we'll talk, and that gets into the specifics, but, but the fifth one gets more into life and practice, whereas is this is really focusing primarily on doctrine. And so both are there. Yeah, which is why I, I, I've mentioned life, but focused on belief here. Good. Yeah, we'll get to number five. <laughs> Lord willing, this week or next. <laughs> uh, number two. Do you believe in one living and true God in whom eternally there are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are the same in being and equal in power and glory, and that Jesus Christ is God the Son come in the flesh. Okay. So this is clarifying a little bit of, of something that we're actually saying in vow number one. Right? In fact, uh, this, this fifth, this vow number two is, is really actually the newest one. Um, some of you, when you were, he, when you became members, didn't take this vow. It was added, Oh, I want to say a little over 10 years ago. Um, any idea why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, the doctrine of the Trinity, believing that we believe in one God and three persons, is coming increasingly under attack. There was a day where it didn't seem like you needed to say, when I talk about the God of the Bible, I'm talking about the Trinity, the triune God. And now it seems that we actually have to say, now when we say we believe in the Bible, let's be a little bit more clear. Um, there are... Uh, there are uh, more and more groups who are denying the Trinity. And so we're saying, okay, evidently we have to be you know, very specific and explicit here that when we say we believe in the God of the Bible, we're talking about the triune God. I believe in one God who exists in three persons. Absolutely. And I believe that, that Jesus Christ is God become man. Uh, and if you can't say this, if you don't believe this, then you don't really believe the Bible and you can't take vow number one. You can't be a member. Can anybody not believe that and be a Christian? Right. Obviously, you have to be able to recognize who Jesus is in order to place your faith in him, right? Um, uh, I, you know, there's a, there's a story I always bring up when we talk about this. And uh, Abraham, I think it was Abraham Lincoln said... Um, 
How many legs does a donkey have if you call its tail a leg? Four. Why? Because it's still a tail. tail. Calling it a leg doesn't make it one, right? Uh, That's exactly right. Uh, So you can say, I believe in Jesus Christ, but if what you believe in is a tail and not a leg, if it's not the Jesus Christ of the Bible, then that's not faith. Just saying it doesn't make it so. You actually have to be correct on who he is. Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. It is not. It is not the same Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so membership vows, the next blank, mean that you believe there is one God in three persons and that Jesus is God become man. You believe in one God who exists in three persons and that Jesus is God become man. That's right. I'm making you fill in blanks this week. And that's okay. Number three, the third membership vow. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness that you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin, and that you trust for salvation not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone? Okay, talk to me about this. What's going on here? Right, so so this is talking about um, reality check, right? Do you acknowledge that you are sinful and fallen uh, and to the point that you despise that, right? Um, and that, that in actual humility, you recognize your need. That's where we start, right? And then, I, then Lori said, you know, repentance, that we're actually turning from that, right? So why does it say that you repent of your sin and that you trust for salvation not in yourself? What's that about? Not... Hmm? Okay, good. Works won't save us. That I'm not, I'm not saying I'm doing this. So why can't, why can't the vow simply say and that you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Why does it have to say not in yourself but in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Because we're so self-centered. Right. Again, this is one of those places where air creeps in so easily where it's like, well, I know I'm fallen. I know I'm not perfect. I, I know I need grace. I know I need help. I can't do it on my own. And so I need God's help. And, and what happens when you say it that way? Right. Okay. So Gary likes to throw big Latin phrases at me. Okay. And, and synergistic means working together. 
that, that some people believe that salvation is because I can't do it on my own, God and I need to do it together. And we have to be careful to say, no. The Bible says that if you depend upon your own good works at all, Jesus is of no benefit to you. In other words, the Bible says you have two choices. You try to get to heaven on your good works, or you depend wholly upon Jesus Christ to do it all. Those are your two choices. There's no this, me and Jesus together, we've got this, we're a good team thing, right? And so it says, no, not on yourself at all, and on Jesus alone, right? This is what uh, the Reformation was fought in large part about, is because the Roman Catholic Church said, no, 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 we're doing it together. And so uh, that other word Gary threw at me, monergistic means God alone is working. God alone is saving me. I'm depending upon him to do it all because I can't even help him. Anything I bring will be tainted and worthless. And so I, I need him to do it all. And so uh, part of becoming a, a, a part of Christ's church is recognizing that, that we contribute nothing to our salvation. That we can't say, I'm a, I'm a good person. I deserve to go to heaven. Um, but more than that, it, it means that, that repentance needs to be a normal part of your life. Once you become a Christian, do you just stop sinning? <laughs> if only. It, it means humility and repentance need to characterize our life. Um, do you think God is the only one that you need to repent to or be humble towards? Do you think God is the only one you need to be humble towards and repent to? Oh, no. start, with start with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When David says in Psalm 51, against you and you alone have I sinned, he's not saying, uh, Bathsheba doesn't deserve an apology from me. Uh, Uriah's family doesn't deserve an apology from me. Obviously, Uriah does, but he's dead. Uh, He's not saying nobody else deserves, but first, because I've offended God, I I need to repent to God, but also, I need to repent to those whom I've sinned against and hurt and failed. And this, not that we don't, we strive for perfection, we don't expect perfection. Being a part of God's family means you get that saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, is you plan on that being a normal part of your life. In other words, when you take this vow, you're telling the church congregation, expect my repentance when I fail. So in other words, the third membership vow, membership vows mean, this is the next set of blanks, mean that you understand that you are a sinner who needs forgiveness from God and others. Membership vows mean that you understand that you are a sinner who needs forgiveness from God and others. Not just once, but regularly. It really is amazing 
how much we profess we know this to be true, and yet how often the words, I'm sorry, forgive me, or how seldom those come from our lips. Number four. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord? And do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God, that you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life? What does it mean that you acknowledge Jesus as your sovereign Lord? Okay. Why? What, is it, what does sovereign Lord mean? I think that's the consequence. Absolutely. He says the, con- you know, the consequence is that you obey even when it's not easy. Yes. Yes. Good. Yeah. Yeah. John says, he has a right to rule me, and he has expectations for how I will live. Is that what you're going to say, Charlie? Good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this, yes, this is um, what's going on here, right? That, that, that he's in charge, and he has the right to give me commands with the expectation that I'll follow them. Uh, and, or, or put another way, when you confess he's your sovereign Lord, it means you willingly surrender control of your life that you're promising to obey. You're saying, you're acknowledging, you're admitting that he gets to tell you what to do. As, as John put it, you're recognizing him as your king. Okay? And that doesn't mean you won't struggle. That doesn't mean that you will perfectly obey. You need grace. You need forgiveness. But it does mean that you strive to resist temptation. That you don't, you're not comfortable with your sin. You're not saying, well, that's just who I am. Get used to it. Um, you're, you're saying that that obedience matters to my God and therefore it matters to me. And you're inviting the congregation to hold you accountable to that. In other words, if that's not your desire, should you be taking this vow? If you don't want to be challenged to follow the Lord, to obey the Lord, should you be taking this vow? No. You're saying this is my desire to, to, to submit to my God and King. Yes, Constantine. Charlemagne, yes. Charles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? We, I, I love to use that language, right? Following Jesus, you know, becoming a Christian costs nothing and it costs everything, right? You don't buy your salvation, right? In exchange for this, will you save me, right? But when you come and say, you are my Lord, you've surrendered everything 
for him to do with as he will, right? And so there's this interesting, right, uh, uh, paradox in salvation. And you're exactly right. So, so question three is talking about what it means to become a Christian. Do you do anything to gain salvation, to become a Christian? No. It's Jesus Christ alone. Now, of course, uh, the question then comes, okay, so does that mean that there are no expectations for Christians? Now you're a citizen in the Yes. Right. And so, uh, uh, Martin Luther's wonderful, helpful maxim, right? Faith alone saves, but not the faith which is alone, right? That all true, um, this is, these are, okay, or put it another way, these vows are now getting into what Jesus talks about with a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, nor a good tree bad fruit, right? The point is, uh, you don't, you don't become a good tree by, by bearing fruit, right? You don't become a healthy tree by bearing healthy fruit. If you want healthy fruit, the tree needs to be made healthy first. That's salvation. Jesus, Jesus takes, uh, the decay of sin, our ugliness, he pulls that out and he gives, makes us a new creation. But if he does that, can we fail to produce good fruit? Well, no. It's going to happen. And, and, it's, and, it, and it's every healthy tree's desire to produce healthy fruit. It brings a healthy tree uh, no greater joy than to produce. And so if you are God's children, you say, thank you for saving me fully and freely. Ask what you would of my of me, right? So yeah, this is now moving from becoming a Christian to what the Christian life looks like. And when you become a member of a church and you take vows, what you're saying is, well, I acknowledge that I can do nothing to save myself. I always I also acknowledge that I have surrendered my life to King Jesus and it is his to do with as he will and command what he will. Absolutely, Charlie. Good, good distinction. And so, the fourth one, uh, the fourth set of blanks is, being a Christian means that you are seeking to live in obedience to God and encourage others to do the same. Being a Christian means that you're seeking to live in obedience to God and encouraging others to do the same. That we're, that we're interested in each other's life and, and, and saying, hey, how can we honor the Lord better? What can we do together? How can we? And when somebody when somebody fails, say, "Brother, I love you, but I need to talk to you about this," uh, and so on. Um, absolutely. Um, any questions there before we go to the fifth one? Because I'm going to spend the most time here on the fifth one. Yes. Small and very well, yes. Mm-hmm. It is so true, right? That 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 fruit multiplies with maturity. Um, uh, you, most of you know that we moved three years ago, and the previous owners had planted relatively young fruit trees down by my mom's house. Um, uh, most of them are apple trees, and uh, there's. Uh, there's one young plum tree and there's a more mature plum tree and then there's a, a, a peach tree. And the first, or 
I don't know. First year, I'm not sure we got any fruit out of that peach tree. Uh, I think it was two years ago, we got one peach. Woo! We did the dance, right? It was exciting because we love peaches. I think they're among the best of all fruits. Um, last year, we got three. That's threefold growth year over year, right? So you know what my expectation is this year, right? I'm thinking nine this year, right? I don't know if that'll be the case or not, but that certainly does, you know, and then, I mean, if that's the growth, then we're talking 27 next year, and I'm a happy camper, right? Because uh, I like peaches. But as the, chur- as the tree matures, the amount of fruit it produces should be multiplying, right? Um, and, and they become stronger and more sturdy and able to withstand it. We could go on and on about the analogies. Our neighbors across the street have, have some apple trees that have got to be 80 or 100 years old, and they are gnarly and thick, and he built a, a, a big tree house for his grandkids and stuck it right on the top of one of these. You do that to ours, <laughs> the thing's going to crumble, right? Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, there's so many analogies there with, it's, it's not that there's no fruit, it's just that as you mature, it should be growing. Yeah, oh, we could go, absolutely. It's almost like God knew what he was doing, I mean, picking trees, because trees, right, they follow, up, they follow uh, the story of salvation from the garden to revelation. Um, trees are so important to God when it comes to that. Okay, well, in, in, the, in the 15 minutes that remain, let's, let's look at the fifth vow. Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service to submit in the Lord to its government and to heed its discipline, even in case you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life? Okay, so there's a few things here. There's participation in worship, participation in service, and submission to discipline. And we want to spend a few minutes looking at each of those. Um, yeah, if you have, uh, op- open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. It's towards the end. Right before James. Okay. I'm going to read verses uh, 24 and 25 of chapter 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, when, when you're a little kid, baby, well, you come to worship because your parents bring you. You get a little older and you come because your friends are there. You know, you, it, it, kids set us up for this. They always do this. They go, I can't wait to go to church on Sunday. And the parents are like, really? And they're like, yeah, I get to see my friends. And you're like, okay. Not that that's bad. I mean, I think we all enjoy to see friends. Uh, and that's, that's a good thing. We should delight in seeing each other. But really, what should be our, our primary desire for being in, in worship? Worship. To be with our God. To hear his word, to sing his praises, right? 
Um, and and when, you're, when you're older, you should be saying, I want to be in worship because I want to worship. I want to be there. And, and when, you, when you take membership vows, what you're committing to, what you're committing yourself to, is, is being there regularly. And the Bible says we don't forsake this assembling together. Now, are there times to stay home? Yes. You're not feeling well, okay? Some things are worth sharing and some things are worth keeping to yourself, right? Uh, absolutely. Um, you're recovering from surgery, Yes, right, and you are not ambulatory. You you can't move very well. I get it, right? There's things like that. Um, I didn't order my week well, and I'm just tired. No, because that's just saying where your priorities are, right? Um, but but more than being there regularly, it means participating while you're there. Worship is not passive. If you ever have a church that refers to the congregation as the audience, run, <laughs> right? Because what's, what's an audience? Passive recipients, right, of, 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 well, of something. Maybe of a friend. I was trying to be careful there. But, but there's always that temptation because it looks like a theater or things like that. And, and we, can, we can fall into that mindset. But a congregation aren't intended to be be passive observers. They're intended to be active participants. Right? This is why we sing together. Right? This is why we pray together. That there are places where we confess our sin together. Where we, we pray the Lord's Prayer together. But does, is that the only place you're active? When you're actually speaking or singing or praying? Right. Are you actively listening, right? Uh, you ever been a part of a conversation where the person you're talking to checks out? <laughs> They're not actively listening? And it's frustrating, right? Yeah, all of what we do takes active participation in worship. Absolutely. Um, and more to the point, it means engaging the worship of God with your head, your heart, and your life. Let me let me briefly a pastor's famous lie. Uh, try to hit each of those real quick. What do you think it means to engage worship with your head? Yeah, you get you, you, you're you're going to have to think. You're going to have to engage with this mentally. You think about what you're hearing, you don't check out, and, and you actively believe what God says. And you think about its implications. Um, I, I remember growing up meeting some very intelligent people who saw Sunday as an opportunity to kind of just check out. Um, and I don't think that's right. I, I think it's a day to rest, but not check out. Um, uh, and, and, and God calls us to use our head, to love him with our minds. What about our hearts? What, what's that about? Growing our, affections. our affections. Growing our affections. Good. Mom? To, to act in love is what 
Yeah. Um, how many times does God rebuke his people for honoring him with their lips, but their hearts are far from them? Does God care about our hearts? Yeah. An awful lot. Uh, and yes, I know that makes some of us uncomfortable. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you let things affect your heart, right? The first thing it does is, is it pierces your conscience and things like that. It it's what gives you gentleness towards others, right? Think about First Corinthians thirteen, right? It believes all things, endures all things, hopes all things, and does not insist on its own, right? Um. I've said this before, but some of the worst abuse cases I've had to deal with, uh, the the individual who was doing the abuse was incredibly educated theologically, but the heart was far from the Lord. Incredibly, like the go-to guy. But there was a disconnect and there was honoring with lips and and, and a disconnect. And, and, And God says, I am not interested in that. Uh, if you hear God's grace, I hear about God's grace, and it doesn't stir your heart, doesn't lead you to hate your sin, right? But hate is a powerful word, right? Something is missing. Um, coming to meet with God should delight your heart. Um, young couples, when they're going out on a date... They don't think, you know what? I am expecting some stimulating conversation and I think this will be a profitable get-together. You know, there's probably going to be stimulating conversation, but there's a delight in being together. Just that being together. How much more should that be true with our God? Uh, what about life? What, what, what does that mean? You engage worship with your head, with your heart, and with your life. Carrying what we hear this Sunday out into our devotion, out to the care of our immediate family, our church family, loving one another. Yeah. It should affect the way I live. What I hear and all of that should follow me out of here. That, that It's not, okay... The Sunday box, I come, I follow God on, on Sunday morning for, you know, an hour and a half sometimes, uh, you know, and then I leave. No, no, no. This affects my life, how I live, how I interact, what I do, whether that's my job or my conversations, serving my family and whatnot. It should, my devotion, like what I'm hearing here follows me out. I love that language, Charlie. That's good. Uh, it follows me out of here. Yeah, yeah. If you're only a hearer and not a doer, you've deceived yourself. Worship is is the central part of your week, but it doesn't just end here. It 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 tentacles in through what you believe and think and say and love and do all week long.
Um, okay, so membership vows, the next set of blanks, the top one after vow five is membership vows are for those who gladly and willingly participate in worship with their head, heart, and life. Membership vows are for those who gladly and willingly participate in worship with their head, heart, and life. I'm going to, we've got just a couple minutes, and so let me just kind of power through the next couple thoughts. There are, um, 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Um, Jesus says in Luke 8 that it's those who do God's word, hear God's word and do it, who are his family. Beloved, the church is a family. Um, and that means a lot of things. It means, but it, it, one of the things it means is we all pitch in. Not everyone can do everything, but everyone can do something. You know, there's a terrible statistic out there that 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. Um, it's not right. Uh, we all know families like that, you know, where 20% do 80%, and it's not, it's not fair. Um, when you profess faith, you're saying that you want to be an active part of the church family. Um, I would... Uh, I've backed myself into a time corner here. I would love to talk about different ways. Sometimes people think, well, I, I can't climb ladders anymore. I can't, I can't, you know. There are so many ways to serve, and sometimes that just means writing a letter to somebody and saying, think about you and praying for you this week. It means helping in the nursery. It means, uh, you know, doing, doing both. There's always things to do. And, and just saying, but a lot of it is, is being there. Seeing a need and filling it or just spending time encouraging people. One of the biggest needs in a church is time and encouragement. Uh, and, and that's, of course, costly. Um, so membership vows are for those who accept their responsibility to serve the church family with the gifts God has given them, is the next blank. Membership vows are for those who... Uh, accept their responsibility to serve the church family with the gifts God has given them. Uh, everybody has a gift. And uh, that's the point, is we're all supposed to use those in the ways um, God has given. Uh, not everybody's a mouth. Uh, not everybody has a foot or a hand. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. Um, I, I, one of the things I, I love about... Jen's in my relationship is we like doing different things and and so you know when we're working around the yard or whatever she's she's ready to do these things that drive me nuts you know I'll swing a hammer all day long but ask me to pick weeds for 20 minutes and oh my goodness uh and yet she's faithfully daily will do those you know weeding and things like that and it just blows me away but i think that's just the beauty of different gifts and and, and enjoyments and things working together that is just a blessing um and then and then the last thing is discipline uh maybe maybe this afternoon or or whatever you can read hebrews 12 5 through 11 but it says basically this remember god disciplines those he loves and if you don't receive the Lord's discipline, you are not his child. Um, if we're God's children and his family, we can expect that um, 
there's, there's going to be correction. There's going to be discipline. Um, because if there isn't, he doesn't love us. And so uh, the Lord, and we, it's good to remember, I think we always tend to run uh, to extremes in this. Um, the Lord's discipline doesn't start with, you know, excommunication or something. It starts first with, with a guilty conscience. That's the Lord's gift of discipline right there that should be calling us to humility and repentance. Um, words from friends, brother, sister, that hurts. You know, there's a better way, uh, right? Those things matter. Um, and then eventually, yeah, the pastor and the elders and and, and that more... Um, uh, uh, obvious discipline. But the goals of discipline are always to correct those who are going down the wrong road, to protect others from following them, and to bring glory and honor to God's name. And, and if those things are important, which they are, we should expect that there's going to be correction. And, dis- and that's what we're saying in a membership vow, is I expect this and I welcome it. Membership vows are for those who are ready to submit their lives and beliefs to the discipline of the church. So that's the last blank. Membership vows are for those who are ready to submit their lives and beliefs to the discipline of the church. Look, I went through this with, with some of the youth, and I thought, this is good. This is good review. These are things we have to remember. We, we can tend to think, you know, I took those vows, you know, 15 years ago. I've done my part. Okay, but they should affect all of our life together. It's like saying, you know, to your, your spouse, I took, the mem- I took the wedding vows, you know, 30 years ago. Why are you bringing them up now? Well, because <laughs> they were vows about how you'd live together. And, and the same thing, too, is with our membership vow. And so it's good to, to, to dust uh, them off once in a while, remind that these are things I've said I will do as a part of this family. And so I thought it would be good to review. I hope it's encouraging. You're, you're part of a family. You've invited people into your lives, and that's good. It's good. That's what God calls you to. Um, but we always need to grow, become more mature trees, uh, and so review is part of that. Um, Lord willing, uh, in the few weeks of Sunday school that remain until summer, uh, we'll, probably, we'll probably just go through May this year. Um, so uh, a few more weeks. I'm going to uh, review... Um, some some passages from the book of Job. I think that will be good for us. Uh, it's too big to try to cover in that time, but I think there's some uh, key passages that would be fun. So um, starting next week, uh, in the weeks ahead, we're gonna we're gonna open up the book of Job a little bit together and and uh, ask ask that God would speak into our lives through it. Uh, discipline of the church. Yeah. Okay, well, let me close us in prayer. Our great God and King, we thank you. We thank you that you know us and that you love us and that you have not left us alone, but you've invited us into a family. May we take our responsibilities seriously. When we fail, may we be quick to repent and ask for mercy. And when others fail, may we be gentle but forthright about your call to greater fidelity. May we, as a family, as a body, grow in all of these things we pray. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.